This is the Ukraine Media Podcast with Vladimir Praknevsky, episode number 66. Here we go. Hello, Ukraine Media family. Vladimir Praknevsky here, and welcome to episode number 66 of the Ukraine Media Podcast, where I serve our Ukraine Media family with daily, that's right, daily interviews from highly creative people. And today's guest is Bob Bergen. This man is a legend, and you definitely heard his voice before because he is the current voice of the Warner Bros. cartoon characters Porky Pig and Tweety Bird. He's a three-time Emmy-nominated animation voiceover artist. And speaking of Emmys, Bob might be getting an Emmy this Sunday, May 5th. I'm pulling for him because this is his third Emmy nomination. And I hope he gets it because third time's a charm. In his episode, Bob shared great stories from his creative journey. Everything from being a mall Santa to called calling another legend, Mel Blanc, just at the age of 14. And he actually recorded the whole conversation. And you can check it out at ukramedia.com 66. But before I play my interview with Bob Bergen, I want to quickly tell you about our sponsor, ActionVFX.com. They provide the best stock footage elements for professional visual effects, from explosions, fire and smoke, muzzle flashes and bullet shells, and gun effects to debris and particles. They have your assets covered. Available in 4K, 100% royalty free. They also have over 250 free VFX elements for you to download. Stuff like free fire sound effects, spell hits, bullet shells, blood mist, bullet hole textures dust waves, water sound effects, explosion sound, and the list goes on and on. Not only that, but they also have lots of tutorials and blogs on their website, so check it out. It is a great online resource that you absolutely have to see, so go to actionvfx.com. Again, actionvfx.com. And now here's my conversation with the legend, Bob Bergen. Enjoy. Before we jump into your creative journey, share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. Uh, career-wise or just anything? Anything, anything, no limits whatsoever. Okay. Um, for five years, I was a mall Santa Claus every Christmas. <laughs> Are you serious? Why? Why? I am very serious. You know, when you're a, when you're a starving actor and you need to pay the bills, from from age eighteen to twenty three, I would go to malls. I would go to parties. I did more Hanukkah parties than Christmas parties, which I found very fascinating, and I don't know why. But yeah, I was um, I was a hundred pounds heavier, and I it was I went I went to Santa Claus College, and I graduated, and I learned how to do it. And um, during the holidays, it paid me quite well. So, what's the trick to being a great Santa? Well, I will tell you that there were certain rules. Uh, first of all, you cannot when I did it, you weren't allowed to say ho 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 because they thought it scared kids, which I thought was kind of stupid. <laughs> um, Santa Claus has to have peppermint breath so that we had to have rocks, peppermint candies at all times. The secret to being a good Santa is to read the kids. So, for instance, if a kid is terrified, you just tone down the Santa-isms. If a kid asks for something like, you know, I would like a planet for Christmas, you have to find a way to not promise it to them. Hmm. And, and oftentimes parents would come up to me first and say, he, he got a, an F in science class. Can you bring <laughs> it up? That was the funnest part because they're like, That's oh, cool. my gosh, you really are Santa. Wow. And I mean, and you're like, you know, you're God to them. So anything you say, you, you have to be very cautious as how you say it and how you approach it. So there's all this diplomacy around it. Now, you said peppermint. I'm sure after a while, you probably started to hate it. <laughs> after a while, you got such a sugar rush and then a crash because, you know, the, pe the, the peppermints melt and you can't have peppermint in your mouth when you're talking to the kids. So when you have a break, you do a little mint. But they would have like, you know, people from the, the Santa Claus University come over and check on us and they would say, let me smell your breath. 
<laughs> wow, that's interesting. So you had to be on your toes. Now I'm curious. Do you ever get nervous? You know, you're doing all these different things because you're jumping from different. I mean, you're not doing just one thing. You're doing a lot of things. The uncertainty. How do you deal with with being nervous? Well, it's a great question. I've I've only been nervous twice in my career. Once was really, really, really early on. I was about 18, 19 years old, and I don't even remember what it was for. But I got to the mic, and it was in the old days before home studios, where you know you're auditioning for just a a, a room full of of you know producers and studio execs and buyers. And I felt my throat close up and nothing came out, literally nothing came out. And I got in the car and I had a conversation with myself and I said, this will be the last time I allow nerves to get between me and a job. And the only other time I got nervous was like my 12th callback for the original round for the Looney Tunes when I was auditioning for Porky Pig. They brought in Chuck Jones to uh, to, to just to, to observe the auditions and for for people listening to this who don't know who Chuck Jones was. He was one of the founding fathers of the Looney Tunes. He co-created them with Frizz Freeling and Tex Avery and Bob Clampett. And I went to shake his hand and my hand is shaking as I went to shake his hand. Wow. And, and he said, why are you nervous? I said, I'm about to do Porky Pig for Chuck Jones. It's like doing Jesus for God. <laughs> and he, and he chuckled and I chuckled and it relaxed me. But I will tell you that the reason people get nervous, the reason actors get nervous, be it voiceover or anything, is because they're trying to please. They're trying to please the, the casting director. They're trying to pre please the producer. They're trying to please their parents. They're trying to please their spouse. And the, and the thing is, you can't worry about pleasing anybody but yourself. If you go into an audition just to have fun and your soul purpose and goal isn't to book it, isn't to get paid, but just to have a good time because that's why we got into this to begin with. You're not going to get nervous. That's, that's great advice. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I know it, it, it sounds like it's so easy to do, but man, I can't tell you enough how many times that, well, there were a couple of times where I got up on stage. It's kind of, it's kind of like I got up, but my presentation sat right down and there's like five seconds, like the longest five seconds of your life. Right. Where you're trying to figure out where you're trying to go. I, I mean, it's definitely, but I've learned in my journey that humor uh, is like you were saying how you cracked a joke and it kind of relaxed you. I learned that if I don't have that like one to two minutes of humor, just a little interaction with the audience, it, it doesn't go over that well. What's your trick? Like, do you, when you get up to stage, do you try to connect with the audience right away? Or, or I know you've done well, you some stand up. You have to understand, you know, I mean, I've done a one man show. Um, I haven't done a lot of theater. So most of my stuff is in a booth. So in my one man show, it was very collaborative. You know, even though it was scripted, I would work the audience. I would take their cues. I would, I did a bit where I would call somebody from the stage up on stage or from the audience up on stage. So, um, you know, I make, I would make a lot of eye contact. So I, I, I just don't get nervous. You know, I, it's just, I've done a lot of things. I've, been, I've, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a governor of the television Academy and I have to present Emmy nominations to television performers every single year. So, and it, it doesn't make me nervous. I just feel very, you know, fortunate that I get to do this and I just feel like one of them. So, you know, I don't get nervous. What do you, I'm just curious because you're doing a lot of things and your calendar is always booked. Do you think if you went for a long period of time of not doing performing, not doing any of that, would that add to your, uh, I don't know, being nervous, I guess? Do you think? It, no, you no, don't think so? no, no, no. Wow. No, not, not, not you're one and also, I'm, I'm very blessed. I'm never not busy. I mean, even if I'm not working during the week, I, I'm going to have tons of auditions. No, 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 no. I, I just don't get nervous. That is awesome. Now, I want to ask you this before we jump into your journey. What is the best advice that have you ever received? 
Um, I've received a lot of advice. I got I got really good advice from Paul Winchell years ago. Uh, Paul Winchell was uh, the voice of you know, Tigger and uh, was That's a ventriloquist, cool. a big time performer in, in voiceover. And I was auditioning with him. We had the same agent. And I said, what's your number one advice for young actors? And he said, never, never worry about money. You're going to make it. Then you're going to lose it. You're going to make it. You're going to lose it. You're going to make it. You're going to lose it. And if you worry about it, you're going to worry about the ups and the downs. And it was similar advice that I got from Dawes Butler, who was one of my teaching gurus. He was the voice of Yogi Bear and Snagglepuss. He said, do not do this for the money because it will never feel like enough. If you put a goal amount to make on your career, you're going to make it. And then you're going to realize, oh, my God, I'm no happier now than I was when I wasn't making anything. So you've got to do it for the love of acting. You can't do it for any other reason. That's well said. Wow. No, and that's great advice. And even like right now for us, like I'm, uh, I'm in business and, you know, we're doing the secret media thing. And that's what, uh, that's what I told my brother. When it's, when it's no longer fun, that's when I'll stop. <laughs> What's that? Exactly. And it's not, when it becomes a job, that's when I'll go get, you know, that's when I'll stop. Now let's, let's transition to your journey. I want you to kind of walk us through how you got to where you are today. Well, I wanted to be Porky Pig when I was a five-year-old kid living in Ohio. My mom said, you can't be Porky Pig or Jewish. I didn't know what that meant. Because <laughs> I, I'm, we, were, we were the kind of Jewish family that had a menorah next to a Christmas tree. And I was fortunate that my dad took a job in Los Angeles when I was 14 and moved the family here. And I just thought, well, I'm in L.A. This is where cartoons are made. I'm just going to call Mel Blank and tell him, look, I've arrived and you're old and I'd like your job. <laughs> and... and um, it's a story I've told a million times, but, um, you know, I found his phone number in the phone book. I called him up. I taped the conversation. That conversation's on my website if people want to hear it. I listen to um, it. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, and it's illegal to do, so I'm not advising people do that. Right. Uh, and during the course of the conversation, I, he mentioned the name of the studio he was working at that week. He didn't say the day or the time, but he mentioned the name. So when I hung up from him, I called the studio pretending to be his assistant. And I said, hi, I'm calling for Mel Blank's uh, appointment to confirm this week. Uh, what is it, Thursday at 9? And they said, no, we have him on the books for Wednesday at 11. I went, oh, you're right. I'm looking at the wrong book. I'm so sorry. So I told my mom, look, I'm skipping school Wednesday. Mel Blank's going to be at this studio at, and we're going to go watch him work. And my mom said, cool. So when we got to the studio, I told the receptionist that we were guests of Mel Blank. And she told me what, what room he was in. And when I got into his recording booth, I told his producer that we were really good friends of the receptionist and she said we could watch. So I just sat there and watched him work. And it was just phenomenal to watch this man in action and realized that, okay, he's still doing this character and I'm 14 and my voice hasn't changed and I need to learn how to do this. So I called Hanna-Barbera and I, I got the casting director and I said, what do I do? And she referred me to Dawes. I studied with Dawes. I studied with every voiceover teacher that LA had to offer. I did two years of in an acting conservatory, three years of improv. Casey Kasem got me my first agent when I graduated high school. A friend of the family knew him and introduced me to him. He sent me an autographed picture and I sent him a note. I want to do what you do. And um, he got me in touch with his agent. His agent said, I want to represent you. And he was my agent for the first five years. And I didn't realize that I lucked into the top voiceover agent in the business who represented June Foray and Mel Blank and Orson Welles and Casey Kasem and, and Hal Smith and Janet Waldo and uh, the creme de la creme in the voiceover industry. So I was ready. I was trained. Uh, I was prepared. But I also lucked into the top agent in the industry. You know, it's, it's interesting. So you were 14 years old when you made that 
phone call, right? You were just a young kid. I was. I was 14, yeah. Now, where did you get the idea to pick up the phone? I mean, it's uh, it's a scary thing, you know, just to cold call someone and especially your your hero. Like, is this something that you just uh, didn't think much about? You just picked up the phone and called or did where did you get this idea from? Um, I, you know what? I didn't think it was unusual. I figured, hey, if you want to be a doctor and you're 14 years old, call the head of cardiology at UCLA. If you want to be a baseball player, find the whatever city you live in. If I'm in LA, find whoever pitches for the Dodgers and say, okay, how do I do this? I just didn't think that was an unusual thing to do. Uh, finding his phone number was hard because um, my dad traveled around LA because LA is huge. He wasn't in my phone book. I and mean, my dad traveled around the city going from like Malibu to Pasadena, getting me every white page phone book from the post office. And I just had a stack of white page phone books searching for his name. Keep in mind, I didn't understand the concept of an unlisted number when I was 14. And, I, and he wasn't in the phone book, but then I started looking under his wife's name and started over and I found his, his wife's name in the Pacific Palisades. But I gotta be really honest with you. I didn't think that this was an unusual thing to do. I just figured, hey, you got a dream, you go for it. You know, that, that is interesting. And then and then you called again, right? And then, then you figured out when he's going to be in studio and all that stuff. Like, were you nervous at all? Like, you're kind of, I mean, I, I don't want to say you're lying, but in a way you were kind of using very creative uh, ways to get in the studio. Like, what was going through your mind then? Oh, I was nervous. I mean, I was like, you know, um, I wasn't sure what to say. I ended up not saying a thing about wanting to be Porky Pig. I thought that was too presumptuous and pretentious. But... Um, you know, I basically just said, do you have any advice? Can I get, can I get some advice? I, I asked him if he had an agent. I, I, you know, I asked him all kinds of business questions. Um, and he, you know, proceeded to tell me, you know, he needed an agent and it was hard to get a, even an audition with Warner Brothers back in the day. He told me it was very difficult to get into. It takes a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of years, a lot of training. So, but you know, I just, I just wanted to touch base with him. I just wanted to, uh, to be able to see if I could pick his brain. And, you know, again, I was a kid, I was in junior high. So there was no, uh, there's no future for me at that moment, but it was definitely the beginning of, of, of my journey. How long did that phone conversation last? I'm going to say probably about five, 10 minutes. I listened to the tape over and over again, like, like throughout the day for days, just to hear it over <laughs> okay. and over. And, and, and it was a cassette tape and the tape broke and it got caught in the rotary of the cassette machine. And I pulled it out, you know, the old days of cassettes, they would rip and pull and tear. And I was like really depressed and I threw it away. <laughs> I threw it away and I was like, okay, well, I'll never hear that again. And I didn't know it, but my mom had retrieved the tape from the garbage can and put it in her dresser drawer. And like 10, 15 years ago, she called me and she said, hey, I was cleaning my dresser drawer and I found that old tape that says phone call with Mel Blank. Do you remember that? And I said, oh, my God, I thought that was gone forever. And I took it to a buddy at a radio station who was able to splice it back together and digitally enhance it. So much of the conversation is missing. Uh, but, you know, the heart of it is still there. No, and it's awesome how confident Like I was listening to it. You were very confident the way you were speaking. It was I remember thinking like, my gosh, at 14 years old, this guy deserves the career that you currently have. Now, I'm curious, what should voice actors, especially students, should be doing constantly, whether it's on uh, a daily basis or just as much as possible to improve, in your personal opinion? Well, it is acting. I mean, you said that you said the most important word there. This It's voice acting. So, you know, I'm either auditioning or working every single day. So I'm always keeping my, you know, my, my chops, you know, in use. If, if you're not at the point where you're working all the time or auditioning all the time, 
you need to study. I mean, Broadway actors, people who are in musicals, you know, eight shows a week during the day are in voice lessons and dance and movement. And voiceover actors are no different. I don't care where you are in your career. You need to stay relevant. I mean, there are different genres of voiceover. So be it commercial, promo, animation, you need to stay relevant. You need to be up on trends. Uh, workout groups are great. If you're at the point where you're like, I don't need a workshop, stay in workout groups and just stay up on your craft. And, you know, it's not about how many voices you can do for animation. It's not about how vocally versatile you are. It's about your, your acting chops. So, you know, the internet has, it's, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. It's made voiceover available to more people, but it's taken it outside the realm of the actor. So people will buy themselves, you know, a $200 microphone and they've got audacity on their Mac and they think I'm ready to go. And they have no acting technique. You got to have an acting uh, background. You know, and it's interesting. I look at your resume, even like before, you know, you've done all these amazing things. You you were like a tour guide, right? At Universal Studios. And like, how, how much did that help your career? Even though, I mean, might, someone might look at this and say, well, how is this advancing you? But for example, I was a waiter uh, for a long time uh, during my college years and early high school. And that's where I learned my English. Like, that's where I learned how to talk to people. So a lot of the skills uh, that I learned then carried over to what I do now. And I'm curious, how much did that help you? Like doing all these different things Like you've done a uh, voiceover for toys, games, radio imaging, promos, commercials, like, like all of that, everything you learn from all those different things, like, does that carry over to, you know, I guess it, it, what I'm asking is like, does that make you a better performer in a way? Uh, no, <laughs> really. it was honestly just a job. It was a great, you know, I, when I auditioned for it, they told me it was great for actors because they'll let you go and work. <laughs> um, you know, it was hard to get off work to go to auditions. God forbid you booked it. Uh, I'll tell you where it was good for me. I made sure my days off were during the week. And during the week, I would go on the lot and watch movies being shot. I would watch TV shows being shot. I would knock on the casting director's door. Back then, I was still doing on camera. And I would, I would say, can I read for you? And I got a lot of work that way. Uh, but I, I, I watched Burt Reynolds directing the TV series Amazing Stories. I watched Anthony Perkins direct Psycho 3. I watched so much production. I learned how actors hit their mark and hit their light. And um, it was uh, it was a great it was a film school. It was a great education on how movies were made. But, you know, I can remember I booked an episode of The Facts of Life and I called in sick for five days because it takes five days to shoot a sitcom. And my trailer was right there in the path of where the trams went by. And I had to make duck behind my trailer if I saw a tram because I was supposed to be sick. So wow. it was hard to get. In fact, they fired me. My last year, <laughs> I had 32 sick days because my voiceover career, I was making more in voiceover than I was as a tour guide. And I banked my, my voiceover career money for you know my entire career. And I lived off of the tour guide. And I remember being called into my boss's office and she said, we have to let you go because we can't afford to keep you. And I said, well, what if the, the acting stops? And she says, well, you can come back. So I was terrified, but, um, you know, I was lucky. The bottom line is I didn't have to go back to a day job. I've had some scary times. You know, I, the house I'm living in right now, I bought in 99. And in 1999, I was the voice of Disney Channel. And they had told me they were going to renew my contract for two years. So I bought a house and it was a 30 day escrow. 31 days later, 
they changed their mind and hired somebody else. Six months after that, we had a commercial strike. So, you know, no matter where you are in your career, they're going to be ups, they're going to be downs. So it can be scary. But, you know, I tell every actor, live below your means, save as much as you can. I've never had to go back to a day job, but I'm also not arrogant enough to think I'm above needing a day job. Uh, Hadn't happened. I don't think it's going to happen, but never say never. No, it sounds like you were very flexible throughout your whole career. You you just adjusted pretty quickly. Now, I want to transition to uh, – let's transition to a dark moment in your life. I want you to tell us the story of your worst moment in your creative journey, or it could be life. So don't hold back any punches. Take it away, Bob. Um, well, let's see. Oh, well, okay. So I've been the voice of Porky Pig now for 29 years, and I've had to re-audition for it five times. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, the first time it happened, I think was for the movie Space Jam, I think. And it was like a punch in the gut. I go to the audition and it is a, a lobby just jam packed with actors. And the casting assistant came up to me and he goes, you've done this character before, haven't you? And this was like in 1994, I think 1994, 95. And I said, yeah, I've been doing the voice since 1990. And he's and Ivan Reitman, the producer, was running the auditions. And this casting director said to me, when you go in to, to read for Ivan, tell him you've done. He, oh, no, he said to me, how many times have you done the character? I said, dozens. He said, tell Ivan you've done the character dozens of times. And I walked in and I said, Mr. Reitman, I've been told to tell you I've done this character dozens of times. And without looking up from his desk, he says to me, well, since there's a room full of actors trying to take the job away from you, isn't that irrelevant? So I auditioned. I got it. It happened a second time. I was like, oh, gosh, not again. It happened a third time. I was like, "Okay, I get it. The fourth time it happened, I had done a pilot for a new series called The Looney Tunes Show. And after we did the pilot, they held auditions. And I was like, "Okay." well, I got a call from the head of Warner Brothers Animation who said, can you just go through the motions? You know, they this new producers, they just want to see who else is out there. I said, "Okay, sure. And the most recent time it happened, I had I just finished the third season of a show called New Looney Tunes. And there was there's a series of shorts that Warner Brothers is producing right now called Looney Tunes Cartoons. While I was finishing the last series, they made me audition for the Looney Tunes Cartoons shorts. And I got to the point after 29 years to have the philosophy, you know, um, hey, If somebody out there is better, they deserve this job, and I've had 29 great years. But I do know for a fact that I can take those words and I can do things with those words that nobody else can. I know the character better actually than I know myself. So I will find ad libs, I will find nuances, I will find subtext. You know, a lot of people are great mimics. They can do the catchphrases. When we auditioned for Space Jam, they had us do Shakespeare. Seriously, wow. Well, because they thought that anybody could say, What's up, Doc? That's all folks. I taught I taught Putty mm, Tat. But if you could do if you could do Shakespeare as an actor and make the story come alive without favoring how to sound, you know that character. I didn't even think it was a challenge. I loved I loved the idea because I knew it would separate us. And so, you know, again, if somebody's better, they deserve the job. I just go in there, like I said, at the beginning of this conversation, I just go in and have fun. Wow. And 29 years later, you're still the man. I mean, you're, you're the man, the myth, the legend here. 
And you know what? It's, you know, it's interesting. I grew up in Kiev and I watched Porky Pig in Russian language. I don't know if you ever heard, like in the Eastern Bloc especially, back in the day, they weren't that creative translating the voices. Right. They would right. just cover the nose and they talk like this, you know. Right. <laughs> For every character. So, and I, I kind of like vaguely heard the character. It wasn't until I moved to the United States when I, when I heard more of a, you know, clear version of Porky Pig. But anyway, so when I heard that you were uh, the voice of Porky Pig, I was uh, thinking of the Russian character. By the way, can, does Porky Pig speak Russian, or can can you? Uh, uh, is there a Russian accent that Porky Pig can do? That'll be that'll be an interesting. Not one. not that I do. I will tell you, I met I've met the the Italian Porky Pig. Oh, I've wow. met the Spanish Porky Pig. When years ago, I mean, long time ago. They they had us audition phonetically for Spanish Looney Tunes, and I do I've done Speedy Gonzalez in the past, but you know I'm about as I'm about as Spanish as David Schwimmer, you know I mean I'm not <laughs> Spanish, and um, I tried, but I, I ain't gonna happen. You know I could read it phonetically. I took a little Spanish in high school, but I don't know the language well enough. Gotcha. Now let's shift gears. We talked about your worst moment. Now let's talk about something positive. Tell us the story of your best moment in your creative journey. Oh my gosh. You know, the the find the best is hard (laughs) because I've been very blessed in this business. Um, you know, I just got my third Emmy nomination. That's that's fun. Thank you. Uh, I can, I I remember my first Emmy nomination, the morning the nominations came out, in Los Angeles, it makes the news. It's 5.30 in the morning, and it, it, they break into the local news to go over the Emmy nominations, the Oscar nominations. But they don't do the voiceover category live on TV. So I went online to see who got the voiceover nomination, and I saw my name, and I thought, oh, my God, somebody with my name got a nomination. That's my name. <laughs> and, then I, and, I, and I was like, oh, Oh, that's my character. Oh, that's me. Holy crud. So that was actually very cool. What was that like? I mean, you know, now looking back, you know, I feel like because, you know, you're always as good as your last performance. I feel like a lot of people, especially like the mated people like you, I have a feeling like they have a hard time dwelling on all their success because they know that there's always the next thing. Do you fall into that or do, do you take time, pause and reflect and think about all the things that you've done? I don't take any of it for granted. I know how fortunate I've been. Like all actors, I've had ups and downs, but you know, I still drive to a lot to work and go, I still get to do this. This is so cool. I still get to do this. You know, this week, yesterday, I did Looney Tunes cartoons. Tomorrow, I'm doing a game. Thursday, I'm doing another day on a, on a motion picture franchise I work on. I just got booked on another animated feature. I just got booked on another animated feature. Okay, and I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just saying that I'm lucky, man. I I, I, I am just, you know, and don't get me wrong. I will have a week with nothing, and I'll think, I sh- I'll never work again. I mean, all actors go through that no matter what. Every time you have a job, you think it's my last, even though I know that, the, that a few series that I'm doing right now and a few films, I got sessions that are going to be booked for the next two years, but what's beyond that? I don't know. So that's that's the life of an artist. That's the life of a true artist. It's it's um it's kind of in our DNA. Now I'm curious if if you can do voiceover or can do anything with voice, what would you do? Is there anything else? Do you have any other hobbies outside of that? I would probably be either a psychologist or a teacher. I mean, I teach animation voiceover anyway, but I love the idea of helping people. I mean, as far as you know, I'm I'm a licensed massage therapist. I don't use it. I've really? never actually. 
Yeah. Yeah. I actually just I took the class years ago just as a something fun to do. I didn't realize it was going to be oh so freaking hard. And it was there were like 30 something of us in class. 16 of us took the test and five of us passed. It was a lot of anatomy and a lot of science. And I was like, all I wanted to do was rub a muscle. I didn't need to learn about, you know, amoebas and cells and and, you know, reproductive and, and, and connecting tissue. But it's part of being a licensed massage therapist. Wow. No, that's pretty impressive. Again, it kind of your personality, you're, you're kind of everywhere. You try to do everything. You're, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting how how many things you're doing. Now, you mentioned teaching. I've noticed that you're doing some voiceover workshops in L.A. Is it something how can you talk more about that? Like, how can people sign up for that where they can find more about it? Well, my L.A. class has a four year waiting list. What? And people are more than welcome to get on the list. I mean, it, I, it, I say four years. It could be shorter. It could be longer. Wow. Um, but get on it. I mean, I one time had to go through 100 names to find eight that were available and had the money. And quite frankly, we're still alive. I've lost some people. Um, I teach all over the country on occasion. I do weekend classes. Um, but, you know, uh, just... I don't do Skype. I, I can't. I, I just can't do it justice to teach through a computer. Um, if people are in Boston, I'm doing. Uh, I'm supposed to do a weekend workshop in May in Boston with Mary Lynn Wisner. I did a voiceover cruise in January. Took four, 40 nice. students on a Mexican cruise. I'm reachable. You know, um, on Instagram, I'm Bergen Bob. On Twitter, I'm um, um, uh, what am I? Twitter at Bob Bergen. I'm on Facebook. I'm easily. You know, you can you can find me. Now I'm curious, have you ever thought about creating like a passive, uh, I don't know, like video course or something where people can take, maybe it's, I know it's not a full experience, but maybe it'll give people uh, like a little jump start. I thought about it. I actually got in touch with a company that does master class to see if they were interested. I, 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 I put it out there. I haven't heard back from them. When I'm available on Mondays at 1230 Pacific time, I do a Q&A called Ask the Pig on Facebook or Instagram. I've not been available for that lately because the series I'm doing records on Mondays and that's my day to do that Q&A. Um, you know, I thought I'm writing a book right now. I'm writing a book called Porky Dishes, which <laughs> is just stories and anecdotes on uh, on my career and kind of what we're talking about. But every few chapters comes with a um, a pork recipe. So <laughs> that's um, pretty cool. Yeah. So it's got, you know, here's Very how creative. I got porky Here's how I got Porky Pig, and here's a nice recipe for candied bacon. That's awesome. You're a very creative person. Now, have you ever thought about teaching full-time? Like, is, will, will you ever stop doing commercial and all, everything you do to teach full-time? Because you have such nah, a big waiting no. list. No, no, no. You know, one time I tried to get through the list a little faster, and I did. I mean, my class is eight weeks, and I, I said, yeah, let me see if I can do it two nights a week. And it was driving me crazy. I only do three classes a year. And, um, you know, I don't. I don't make my living teaching. I do it because I enjoy it. I don't want to be burnt out doing it. I mean, in a couple of weeks, I'm, I'm flying up north to a voiceover school to, to teach. I will teach at other schools around the country if my schedule allows. But full-time teaching is absolutely not something I'm interested in doing. Now, you know, with your busy schedule, how do you unplug? I'm curious. Do you have like a system or what do you do to unplug from it all? I have no problem unplugging. First of all, when I come home from work, I don't like talking. I don't like talking on the phone. It's all about, you know, uh, I mean, give me a, a loaded DVR and a couch and a remote and I'm a happy man. I, 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 I'm a TV addict. I'm on the board of governors at the Television Academy. So I have absolutely no problem uh, just unwinding. Um, I love to travel. I actually have to go through my, my calendar and schedule days to do nothing because I am so busy. 
Now, what, what you watch? You say you watch a lot of TV. What, what kinds of things do you watch? I'm, I'm just curious. What are some things that you enjoy? I watch everything from dramas like Grey's Anatomy to comedies like Big Bang Theory to reality shows like Amazing Race to fluffy reality shows like The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I watch everything but cartoons. I don't watch cartoons. Well, how come? Like, I gotta know. Because I because I I, I work in cartoons. So that's so all you do all I, day long, and you don't want to. Yeah. So so when I come home, I want to I want to escape from what I do for a living. I don't necessarily need to watch, and I don't watch my own work. I I rarely watch the stuff I've done. I'll watch an occasional. If I do a series, I might watch a couple of episodes, but. There are, you know, numerous animated features I've never seen because I'm just way too picky about my performance, and I cringe when I hear myself. And I'm like, really? oh, man, I would have done a whole different take, or I would have printed a whole different take. But you know, if it's an animated feature, odds are I recorded it four years ago, so there's nothing I can do about it, and it just makes me agitated to listen to my work. That is so interesting. Wow. Now, where do you get your inspiration from? For what? For for your work, for what you do. For for example, if you're working on a new character, how do you come up with a character? Like, where do you get um, the inspiration? It's a process. You know, you get the script. There's a picture. There's a description. And, you know, it's like all acting parts. You have to make choices. You look at all the information and you think of, you know, uh, well, the first thing you think of is a voice. And uh, the voice can be your own. The voice can be something that, you know, if, if, the, if the description of the character or the character looks like somebody that inspires you, somebody you know, uh, or a celebrity, or there's a character description or a quirk that you're like, oh, that reminds me of so-and-so. You just start layering. And then the words, you look at the words and the script is a skeleton. Your job is to give it a body. There's a lot of information that isn't there. So you have to, you have to think about, you know, who am I talking to? What is my relationship with my scene partner? Where are we? Are we outside? Are we inside? The microphone is the ear of your scene partner. So where you are on mic, corresponds with where the characters are in the scene. Now, most of this information won't be on your scripts. So you got to make it up. So those choices, those those uh, committed choices, that's what gets you noticed and recognized. It's not about doing funny voices. It, you know, they're hiring actors first and funny voice people second. All characters have a voice, but not all voices have character. So your job at the end, at the audition for animation is to create what sounds like a character that's always been there. That's the hard part. Hmm, wow. Well, you know, I'm looking at the time. I want, want to make sure I don't hold you over. In, in closing, what, what's coming up for you? I know you're working on a book. What, what else? What, what else coming up for you? Looney Tunes cartoons, 200 new shorts. We're about about an, a year in. We probably have one to two years more, unless they order more, and I hope they do. I'm working on a bunch of animated features that I cannot tell you about because we may make a sign NDA. See, that's the problem today with PR. You can't talk about what you're working on until it's about to be released. So I've got one, two, three. I've got four animated features that I'm working on right now. One, two of them just started recording and won't be out for a few years. I'm sorry. There's a fifth. I just found out there's a fifth today that I'm working on. Um, my, my, the Emmys are early May. So with fingers crossed, I'll bring home a, a trophy. Um, what up, man? You know, all kinds. I'm working on a game this week. I can tell you the character I'm playing. I can't tell you the game, but I play Winter Soldier for the nice. uh, the Marvel uh, uh, franchise. Um, I'm busy. <laughs> That's good because you're so talented. I mean, you're uh, you're gonna be busy for a while, Bob. I have, <laughs> you won't retire. Do you plan on retiring at all, or do you feel like you're nah? Just gonna, no? You know what? If you if you love what you do, there's no reason to retire. What That's I might true. do. 
I might just decide to, um, you know, tell my agent, you know what, I'm going to do some more traveling. I travel with a microphone so I can continue working. But I, you know what, I might pass on smaller things, but I might say, no, look, if it's if it's Looney Tunes, if it's an animated feature, if it's something major, the Mars in it, I'll always be available. But if it's a little local radio spot, I might pass for now. But I got to be really honest. I don't ever see myself retiring. If if my body wears out, if my tongue stops working, it'll be forced to retire. But nah, nah, I love what I do. I'm I'm with you on that one. I, you know, everyone that I know that retired, they only live for like three, four years after retirement. So I I don't I don't have a good uh, opinion or just you know it seems like everyone I know they're just as soon as they retire they're done and I don't want to I don't want to be that guy. So no retirement for me either. Now how can people get in touch with you? You shared some Twitter and so yep. what what uh, what's your website? How, where can people find your work? And website is is bobbergen.com. Again, uh, Instagram bergen.bob, Twitter at bobbergen. I'm on Facebook. I'm pretty accessible. Sounds good. Well, Bob, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you sharing your journey with us. Thank you. Thanks, my friend. All right. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Bob Bergen. Bob, thank you so much for your time. I wish you best of luck this Sunday. I hope you walk away with an Emmy. Make sure to check out Bob's work at BobBergen.com. And as always, all the links and resources mentioned in this episode are also available on our website at Uchromedia.com slash 66. And make sure to check out ActionVFX.com. Remember, they have your assets covered. Available in 4K, 100% royalty free. Download their 250 plus free VFX elements and check out their tutorials and blogs. It is a great online resource, so go to actionvfx.com. Again, actionvfx.com. And lastly, don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. Simply go to ukramedia.com community. We have well over 3,000 people in this group. It is a great online resource for those of you trying to grow, and it's absolutely free. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you, and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Ukramedia Podcast. Bye-bye.